Father, I just pray that you alone are the one that we run after, that we desire. You're our friend, and yet you're a king. You love us even when we make mistakes, and you care for us in the midst of our times of troubles. You are a refuge for us. I pray, Lord, that we would hear your word today. activity, but it always made me mad when I had to do it, do this one thing. I, I just couldn't stand it. I remember growing up playing football, and the coaches would say to us, do this one activity. I hated it. Then they would say to us when I played baseball, do this one activity, and I hated it. Then I played tennis. Say, do this one activity, and I hated it. Then I played golf. I love golf. They never asked us to do this activity in golf. Lettered in golf for a reason. But it'd be kind of cool if we were asked to do this one activity during golf. It might have been an interesting way to kind of see how golf would work if we had to do this one activity. But then I played hockey would ask us to do this one activity on skates, mind you, and I hated it. Can any of you guess what I'm talking about? That's right, running. In fact, I'm going to do something for you that's going to show you what I have nightmares about. This is the worst horror movie ever, and I'm sure you guys can relate. This is a horror movie I'm going to share. Only one I ever do.
why does my soul say I should run through the mountains like flee like the birds through the mountains? When I know where my protection comes from, my place of safety, my place of shelter, it's in God. Author Charles Simeon said it this way, when Satan cannot overthrow us by presumptions, how crafty he will seek to ruin us by presumptions. The Lord's the one and only place we can run to for real refuge. You want to know why that's true? Because he's the one who built the wall. He's the one who's there saying, I am your protection. You may think it's this big thing I built, but the reality is, I'm your protection. Who's your real protection or shelter or place of refuge? Is it the mountain or is it the Lord? Is it your money? Or is it the Lord? Is it your circumstances? Or is it the Lord? Is it your health? Or is it the Lord? See, we all do it, especially in America. We spend thousands upon thousands, if not millions of dollars on health, wealth, prosperity, things that make us feel good. We even go to churches that make us feel good. And if you go to a church that makes you feel bad, you don't want to go back. It's hard. So where do we find our comfort in troubles? In fact, one of the big things for me, I find my comfort in this verse. I find my comfort in the fact that the Lord is good. A stronghold in the day of troubles. The Lord knows those who take refuge in Him. The word here for stronghold, are you ready? In Hebrew is literally mountain stronghold. The Lord is the mountain stronghold that we can take refuge in. Not some physical thing, but the actual refuge we can take. He's a temple for the people, a fortress. The Lord's our protection. He's the one we run to when times are tough because He's the only one able to give us protection or refuge. You may think it's in our cars, our seatbelts, our airbags. But I know people who have been in accidents where they had their seatbelts on, they've had their airbags go off, they've still lost their life. And I'm not saying don't wear your seatbelt and don't have a car that doesn't have airbags. But I'm saying we might think we have protection, but the reality is God knows He's the only protection we can run to. He's the only protection we can find. Because you know what? This might sound shocking to many of you. Humans are fleeting. Science is fleeting. Money is fleeting. Health is fleeting. A few things that are common sense to make sure you're taking care of yourself. Put a helmet on if you're driving in a motorcycle. I just saw a guy and a woman, and they were riding, and he looked like he's this biker gang guy, and I thought to myself, you think you look cool, but if you got into an accident right now on the freeway, you're dead. You didn't have a helmet on, cool dude. You had your little motorcycle vest and your colors on, and you had all your stripes and all that fun stuff, your badges. And I'm sitting here saying to myself,
to store up, by the way, treasures in heaven where rust and moth cannot destroy. How is the Lord a place of protection? I've been asked that before. How can the Lord, who's not really here, I don't get to physically feel him, how is he really a place of protection? I can tell you right now, God never says in the New Testament that you will be completely protected from physical harm. He doesn't say it. some here, and there are some examples that God does protect people physically. You can look at it in Acts and Luke. But the Lord promises believers spiritual protection. That's what he gives us. Not physical protection, but spiritual protection. Now in the Old Testament, he did give physical protection. They could pray to certain things, like a bronze snake, if they got bit, and God would save them. But now we have Jesus who came and died for us, and he actually is our protection all the way around. And so we need to learn to number our days, because we're living in times where the wicked have the bent bow. They fitted their arrow to the string to shoot in darkness of the upright in heart. We need to seek refuge from the people who are trying to kill us. There's only one place, and it's the Lord. There's no other place. It says in Philippians 4, 7 that God's going to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. It doesn't say our bodies. But if you know God, let's say you were to get sick like I got cancer. The only place I could find true refuge when I got cancer was in God. And I prayed that my doctors were smart enough to know how to take care of it, how to handle the issues. God who I said, Lord, number my days. What do I need to do? So I started writing information down, thinking of my children, my daughter. She was going to get married, and I wasn't going to be there. So what would I want her to know about me? What do I want her to know about herself? And I was thinking of my sons. What do I want them to know about me? What do I want them to know about themselves? The only thing I could come up with is seek God. are going to live 70, 80, maybe 90 years. But the Lord tells us to number our days. Teach us, O Lord, to number our days so we can find true strength, peace, and comfort in Him. Hence the Lord's protection. Lead me not into the temptation or testing of my faith, but deliver us from the evil one. He gives us tools to fight the battles that are coming up in our lives. In fact, those tools come from Ephesians chapter 6. You all know the armor of the Lord, and I ask you to every day wake up and put on the armor of the Lord because you're in a battle. We need to be able to overcome the sin in our lives, and the only way we can do that is by the fruit of the Spirit that God gives us. That's the ultimate protection in our life because what happens to those when the foundations are destroyed? Look at verse 3. He says, if the foundations are destroyed... What can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes see, his eyelids test the children of men. So what can we do? The, Lord's in the, the Lord is in his throne in heaven and he's watching. When we become followers of Jesus, the Holy Spirit enters our lives. He 
Ephesians 1.13. And then we're sealed for eternity and bought, and we're brought under the Lord's spiritual protection forever. That's the reality of the Christian life. It's not life living in the pursuit of happiness. That's in the Constitution. It's not in the Bible. And I like it as musician Brian Stevenson sung this way. No matter what you've done, no matter where you run, you're not separated no matter what. It's a great song. You should go listen to it. You can find it on YouTube. But the Lord's eyes, he sees. His eyelids test the man, and then he will leave him. He's seen where they put their faith. Regardless of our future sins, regardless of our past sins, regardless of our current sins or the schemes of the devil to trick us, we never lose our salvation. There's nothing in this life that can lose that. In fact, Romans 8 says this, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor anything in all of creation would be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing in all of creation. Let me ask you a question. Are you a created being? You can't even do it. You can't separate yourself. Nothing in all of creation can separate us from the love of Christ. Nothing. Not even ourselves. The foundations can't be destroyed. So we need to, as we're born again, turn to the Lord and look to Him for protection. Not our money, not our jobs, not a mountain. We need to learn to turn to Him. And I'll tell you right now, when you learn to turn to Him, things in your life change dramatically. Because you start to think about things of God and not things of the world. The worries of the world, they start to get less and less and less and less and less. When we run to the real refuge, we can know who God is. In fact, I want to use the guide method again. Does anyone know what the guide method is? G-U-I-D-E. The guide method is go to the Lord, understand His principles about whatever subject you're having issues with, investigate your options, discuss it with others and elders, and then express your freedom in Christ. The guide method is why I make and when I make decisions, what I will do. I will go to the Lord. I will try to understand His principles about a certain subject. I will investigate what my different options are. And then I will discuss that with others and elders. And I will say, hey, this is what I'm thinking. And then I get to express my freedom in Christ. Many Christians I know just express their freedom in Christ. And I have to say this to them all the time. Remember that all things are lawful for us, but not all things are helpful or beneficial to us. So you have to be careful. Here's the real crux of the matter. I care more about what God is going to do to us than what man can do to us. I am sitting here praying for you guys as faithful servants. Every Monday I spend, I don't know how many, I spend a lot of time thinking about you all. I've got my little app and I open it up I just think about you and I pray for your families and your family members and I just ask God to do His will in your life that we would run to you, to Him. These people need to really, truly see the only protection in this life 
even look at wicked people. It says in Habakkuk. So the reality is, we need people who are sharing the truth so they can come from death to life. So they can know who Jesus is, because he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. But the problem is, is we're trying to be that I was going to preach on this and I had someone say to me, wow, you're going to preach that? How are your people going to react? I said, it's the word of God. It's not me. It's him. Yeah, but that's so hard to hear. I I could never preach that in my church. My people would just leave. And I thought, you can't preach the truth? Why? Is it because your people are on a happiness journey or are they on a truth journey? Because I'm not just myself. I need to realize that I can't just run to the things I think are going to take care of me, because they don't. I've confessed this to you before. When I'm sad, you know what I run to sometimes? A lot of times, I run to food. I run to food. And by the way, that's just as bad as running to a bottle. So I'm no better than you guys. I'm just praying that in my days, I'm running to God, because He righteous. The Lord loves righteous deeds. Do not be deceived, people. God is not going to be mocked. For whatever one sows, that he also will reap. That's hard to hear. If we sow fleshly deeds, then we will surely die. But if we sow heavenly deeds, then we shall surely reap eternal life. So let's not grow weary doing good. And let's do good to each other and everyone are calling us to the Great Commission. It's to make disciples. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What are righteous deeds? Making disciples. It's a simple thing. I know churches that are still having what are called seeker services. How many of you know people who are seeking God? They should come to church God has to say. Because it's not just about making secret necessarily. It's not just about entertainment-driven church, but it's about making disciples. So how do you know if you made a disciple of Christ? Because the person you're discipling actually has a disciple themselves. That's how you know you're discipling somebody. The Lord's going to test us. No one wants to hear that. What do you mean I'm going to get tested? How many of us like tests? said, hey, are we going to have a pop quiz today? And how many of you were like me that went, I will find him at, at, at recess, and I will show him what pop quizzes are like. Stop asking for homework. I got enough already. Don't ask for pop quizzes, because I wasn't paying attention to what the teacher said. But it's never going to be easy. In fact, James 1 tells us, count it all joy, my brothers, when testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Paul tells us in Romans 5, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Though, and through him, 
we may have also obtained access by faith in this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Listen to Paul's words. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's not about perfection. It's about understanding that God loves us of our circumstances. He wants us to know that we can run to Him for true protection and refuge. While we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. Much more now we are reconciled. Shall we be saved by His life? More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ that through Him we have now received reconciliation. this, Moses didn't even get to see the face of God. Moses didn't even get a chance to see that on earth. We get to see the face of God. It's amazing to me. The upright shall behold His face. One day we get to see the face of the Lord. We get to see the Lord. We get to look upon His face. The word here for behold is to delight in the sight of something. We get to see the face of to come with me. That's what I'm asking of us. I'm not asking us to take a happiness journey. I'm asking us to take a journey to find real refuge, real protection, real strength and peace in the midst of time of suffering. Because it produces something for us. So I'm encouraged. Many of you are here and I'm encouraged that many of you are seeking after God. But I'm asking us to teach our friends, our families, our co-workers, Loved ones, help us to make true disciples of God. 
It's not going to be easy. In fact, some people will turn on you and they will hate you for believing in Jesus. That's going to be the hard part. And I want to walk through that with you. My wife and I are committed to walking through the tough times with you because it's not going to be easy. Whether it's health issues, whether it's money issues, whether it's marriage issues, kids issues, we want to be there with you and going through it together as a team. And that's what it means to love each other well. Are we going to do it perfectly? No, we're going to fail. Because we're human beings. We make mistakes. We might not be there at the right moment and the right time, but you know who is there at the right moment, at the right time, always and forever? Jesus Christ. When we fail you, He will never fail you. So if you're going through some struggles today, if you're worrying today about anything, give it to God. Ask Him to give you peace. Ask Him to help you find refuge in Him. If you're thinking about what's it like to be X, Y, and Z, and I got young kids starting to come up and getting older, and I, I'm, I'm thinking about them, and since they've been born, you know what the one thing I've been praying for them is their spouses. Because I worry, looking at the kids today, how many of them are addicted to pornography? This is so easy to find it on a phone. So I'm praying for my daughter's husband, that he wouldn't be a man who is looking at pornography and not understanding what real relationship means. I'm praying for my sons, that when they find a woman, that woman would be fully immersed in the Lord. I pray that for my, my, my daughter's husband as well, but that they're fully immersed in the Lord, that they're running to the right things, that they're not worrying about outward appearances, but inward appearances. I'd rather them marry ugly people who are not, not whitewashed tombs than somebody who is uh, attractive that cares only about the outside. I'm praying for each of you and your families, and I'm asking that God would come alongside them and encourage them and lift them up and build them up. If you have single people in your families, I'm praying that same thing for them, that they would find a spouse that would take care of them in the Lord. Because husbands, you need to understand something. There's a TikTok joke out there right now, and it says that the only way to ever really find true happiness is to never get married. Once you get married, the wife stops doing everything a man wants, and she just starts nagging. Why? Why did you park like that? Why? Why would you park here? Why are you parking here? Why? And the husband's going, what? what's wrong with where I park? Why? Why would you park here? Fine, boss. Where do you want me to park? Wow, you're really angry. You have an anger problem. No, I don't have an anger problem. I have a... I have a wife problem. Why are you so mad? Because you're telling me, you know what's interesting? Men, let me ask this question to the men. Do we know how to park the car? Do we need our wives to tell us how to park the car? We could go our whole lives and park a car. And I guarantee each one man in here would never question why we parked our car there. get married, we will be there. Why are you parking so far away? What? We, you, yes, I 
said this to my wife the other day who questioned why I parked somewhere. She said, why are you parking here? And I went, we're able-bodied, let's walk. Plus, I can help get rid of this giant thing, this nine-month pregnancy thing that I've got going on. But you can park so much closer. Why? I don't have an anger issue. I have a wife issue. She's not here. She's downstairs, so I can say it. And when she listens to this online, I'll be sleeping on the couch for a while. But I'm okay with that because I bought the couch. Want to know why I bought the couch? First thing I did, I walked in the store. I laid down on it. I went, oh, this is comfortable. I can sleep on this. as a, a family, a church family, that we truly run to you, that we, like David, would take refuge in you. Yes, how can our soul say, flee like a bird to the mountains, when you're the one who created the mountain? Help us to flee to you. Help us to draw near to you. Help us to submit to you, God, resist the devil.